0: Hey, hey, hey. So we're recording a new episode of the Q Chat. As I mentioned, everyone that's listening, I'm dedicating the month of June to my Black Kings. I know this is Go Queen, but the Queen's job is to protect the King and I'm giving my Kings the floor this month. It's, it's imperative. I had to do it. This is my dedication to Mr. George Floyd and all these, um, these brothers that we have lost. I want to give my Kings the floor. So today I have Mr. Damien Harmon, a.k.a. Damien Dash we connected through IG and he is a licensed mental health advocate and he's out of North Carolina he's a licensed clinical mental health counselor let me clarify that and so I want to have a conversation with Mr. Damien I know like this is a crazy time right now and I just wanted to get his perspective everyone that listens knows that I talk about mental health a lot So I wanted to get that perspective from, you know, my black king, from the black males. What are you guys dealing with? So I want to give Mr. Damien the floor to introduce himself. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Definitely. So I'm feeling good.
0: Good. So start off by just letting people know like your background. How long have you been working um, in the mental health field?
1: I've actually been in the field over 15 years in the mental health field. I've been a licensed therapist since uh, 2012. So I'm eight years in doing that. Um, Definitely started out doing um, lower level mental health um, services from case management to community based services and then kind of felt like that was a glass ceiling. So, you know, I went back to school in 2009 um, to get my master's and became licensed at the end of 2011. So I've been practicing, you know, in private practice, contract uh, work, um, and actually, you know, advocacy, you know, since 2012.
0: What made you decide to go into the field?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm actually, while I was doing more of the mental health case management side and the community-based services, I saw that there was a, a, a huge gap in the the cultural competency and people that look like us right in the field um very few black males um work in this field and still presently we're you know we're a small percentage of active uh professional counselors um workers in the mental health field It's pre- predominantly you know a caucasian female that you will mm-hmm. see as a social worker you know, our therapists, our psychiatrists, it's usually Caucasian or, you know, there, there are a lot of female black females or African-American females that, that are in the field, but we're known black men, black male therapists. We're known as purple unicorns in this mm. field because it, they're, are not too many of us. And, you know, it, there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of things um, in our neighborhoods and in our communities that we often struggle with. And one of those things is trusting, you know, the healthcare system right. because a lot of those individuals that's in the healthcare system are Caucasian. And that could go all the way back to, you know, the Tuskegee experiment and just the overall mistrust with medical professionals. So I saw that and I actually had a, a role model, a mentor that was a black psychologist and I've never seen a black psychologist, black male psychologist Ever in my life, and when I started <laughs> uh, working in this field, his name is Dr. Kendall Jasper. Shout out to him; he's on IG as well. Um, but but he brought he brought a different swag um, and confidence to the profession, and he he made me comfortable with just being myself, but also having the expertise and the educational backing um, to be a, an effective therapist. So he kind of persuaded me. Um, to get my license and become a therapist and reach for higher heights in that manner. And just to understand the underlying issues that lead to some of the behavioral um, issues that a lot of young kids and that which you um, experience as well as our adults, you know, because at some point in time, we've all experienced trauma or some type of dysfunction mm-hmm. that leads to, you know, substance use, um, increased um, incarceration you know, um, single family homes, things like that. They're always precipitating events and emotional um or trauma dysfunction that that impacts that. So I wanted to kind of further study that and become more proficient in that. So that was kinda like why I became a therapist.
0: I'm glad you just hit something that I mentioned a lot in my previous show. So I've had William Poole, actually, you know, the first male guest I had this month, and he, we did two parts, actually, he talked very in depth about his addiction matters, Um, and he Mm -hmm. had some trauma, some very serious trauma as a child, and when he mentioned it, I told him, I realized that there's a common thread, you know, like, I've had women on the show, I've even talked about, you know, past issues I've had with abuse, that there's a common thread with people like you mentioned that have unfortunately experienced some level of trauma as a child and the ways Mm -hmm. in which we all cope with that as an adult can go in so many different directions. So Mm -hmm. I'm happy you said that. And that's also, I feel like a common thread in the African-American community, you know, like some of us may numb that through drugs. Some Some of us may numb that through just a pattern of repeating some toxic behaviors as we become adults, you know, and I feel like therapy in general, It's something that I feel like it's still like riding the fence in the African American community because we were all taught to pray things away and I'm not knocking that Mm -hmm. of course not but I feel like we unfortunately don't have the same comfort level in saying hey I need therapy or hey I'm in therapy I feel like sometimes we tend to have like a shame involved in that which is a stigma that we need to break out of do you feel that You know, as uh, African-American male therapist, as you mentioned, that is like, you know, a position where it's like a, a unicorn type status. I feel like a lot of positions, unfortunately, just having a black male is always a rarity. Like even nowadays, even having a black male teacher is still something I feel like we need more of. So, do you mm-hmm. feel like, with your experience and your background as a therapist, do you feel like and obviously you know we're trying to keep the topic with regarding men in this subject um this episode, mm-hmm. do you feel like there's a stigma? regarding Black men receiving any type of mental health care? Because I I feel like there's a stigma as a whole in African-American communities, men and women. But do you feel like particularly there's a stigma regarding Black men receiving uh, medical um, health care for their mental issues or, you know, just addressing things?
1: Yeah, um, I think it's kind of twofold. Um, Fortunately, um, over the past few years, I've seen an increase Um, I I definitely have more adult men um, that come in for therapy, you know, to address issues, whether that stems from relationships to, um, you know, just childhood trauma or even if they were court mandated, they still came. They still showed up. So I've definitely seen an increase, which is a positive Um, Mm -hmm. on the flip side. To answer your question, um, I still feel that there is a stigma. Um, associated with it, due to the fact that a lot of men, um, and more African American men, per se, you know, we we struggle in regards to our ego. Um, mm. And asking someone for help is somewhat a blow to your egos, you know, because when we grow up, you know, as children, especially boys, we're taught pretty much. We, we're not supposed to show fear or have fear for anything or show sadness. And that's two of the basic four emotions that we have. We have happy, mad, sad, and fear. Those are our four basic emotions. And, we're, and when you're taught to cut off two of those basic emotions, it causes a, a miscommunication, you know, with your brain and, and what you're feeling. Um, and that automatically puts a wall up. Um, because that, that level the level of vulnerability that you have to have and transparency that you have to have in therapy in order to for it to be effective, um, a lot of us are not taught that growing up. You know, we're we're taught to man up, you know, wipe mm-hmm. the tears, don't cry, you know, don't fear anything but God. Right. You know, and it's totally the opposite. Like we we do have fears. We, we we do get sad, you know, and more often than not when we do have one of those two things, um, it's usually shown in anger. That's mm-hmm. the only one besides happiness that is available to us, and that's what society allows us to show in a sense. You you we can show you how angry we are. We can fuss, we can cuss, we can, you know, punch things or just go off. But w- when we express sadness, it, it's, it's shown as like a sign of weakness. And when we're, you know, perceived as being weak, you know, that means we can be taken advantage of, which is another strike to your ego. And no one wants to be taken advantage of. And so I teach a lot of my clients that, you know, exhibiting vulnerability and being transparent is the strongest you can get. It's kind of like giving someone a blueprint or a playbook of yourself. I'm like, here, you know, this is my blueprint. This is who I am. I'm giving you this particular thing that I hold near and dear to me and what you choose to do with it is totally on you, but I'm still going to be okay because I'm being me and I'm being sincere within that. So so trying to change that thought process um, is, is one of those things that in therapy helps men to kind of understand You know, it's okay to express, it's okay to feel. Mm. It's it, it's about how do you respond to those particular situations? And a lot a lot of men often struggle, especially in relationships, when they get with this with their partner. And their partner is saying, well, he never talks to me. I don't know how he's feeling. All I know is anger or when he's happy. You know, and we often, you know, consider like our depression moments or when we're fearful of something, we'll, we'll say that we're stressed out. You know, we never really identifying the true underlining feeling it's it's okay to be stressed um when we show that fairly well but it's more so underlining up under that it may be hurt it may be sadness it may be whatever the case may be and going through therapy and understanding those things will allow them to identify their emotions more specifically so we can address that particular issue but as long as we keep a blanket over it we're just you know addressing surface issues um but I like to get to the to the core mm-hmm. of 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 your emotion your thought process, you know how you feel and how you behave like all of those are interconnected how you how you think about a a particular situation brings along an emotion, and that emotion often drives you to do a certain type of behavior or have a behavioral response so all those things have to be connected, and when they're not connected it's almost like I'm saying that I'm good, but you can almost tell someone when they're not good or mm-hmm. they're, they're you know when they're when they're off and if you know that person, you know that they're not good, you know that they're upset about something, you know that they're depressed about something, but we're we're so okay with just saying that we're okay
0: mm-hmm. because
1: we, we don't feel like no one would understand it or that our feelings would not be validated or supported. So they would rather just withdraw. And, you know, like you said previously, um, learn negative coping skills, whether that's drinking it away, smoking it away, mm-hmm. sexing it away. Um, you know, doing anything that's, that's going to numb that pain. Right. And, then, and then it's a continuous cycle. You numb it, then it comes right back because you're not, resolving the actual issue or the underlying issue that's causing that pain. You're just putting a band-aid on it for it temporarily.
0: Correct. You know, and I use this analogy all the time. I feel like when we find numbing mechanisms to cope with things, all we're doing is putting a, bull, a band-aid over a bullet wound. You know, like it's not mm-hmm. doing anything. You know, it's just covering right. up things, but it just, it, you'll never have any peace, you know, when you do that. Right. And unfortunately, right. I feel like that's the whole stigma just african-americans in general with therapy but i know like what you mentioned i definitely can see that completely specifically with black men unfortunately because it feels like you guys get black women we already have pressure but a black man has like a different level of pressure that we you know wouldn't even want quite frankly you know you Mm got to deal with society on top of Everything that we have to deal with as African Americans alone, you know, which is insane. You know, it's just too much pressure in general. So obviously, you know, we all know what's happening in, in the state of the world right now. You know, it's just as African Americans, of course, we already know what has taken place in the world. You know, we're born into a world where we know, unfortunately what we have to face as african-americans you know racism discrimination how it's manifested basically in different ways but obviously with everything that's happened with george floyd obviously we as african-americans we all know this didn't start with him but it seems like for whatever reason i guess maybe the severity of the video it's obviously just taken over in other races obviously we having these protest, things of that nature, but Mm -hmm. more videos obviously are surfacing, more cases are being talked about of Black men being killed. So Mm -hmm. as a Black male, and this is the thing I think that is the most heartbreaking, you know, for all of us that just really sat down and just thought about this deeper, already in the community, Black males are already, you know, public enemy number one in a sense. You already have to worry about within the community you know, fighting for your life and not falling into stereotypes and not losing your life. But mm-hmm. now we realize just, just the severity, just the weight, I think, that Black men have to mm-hmm. deal with. You have to deal with that aspect, but then you mm-hmm. also have to deal with the world in general that will only see the color of your skin. And they not only do they just see the color of your skin, but they also see it in a negative way. So, and this is just so hard to process, but just as a Black male, and obviously, you know, you have training in just dealing with mental health issues. Right now, I mean, I think everybody's anxiety is just high, you know, so Mm -hmm. from your perspective, you know, as a Black male and as an actual licensed mental health counselor, what is your perspective just on how is it even possible? And this may be like a crazy question, but how is it possible just to simply cope with everything that's going on right now because like I said I know a lot of people's anxieties are being heightened but I can only imagine in your position you know already there's already extra anxiety I would assume that you you know our brothers already have so what is your perspective just on how just how to cope right now because there may be some men that may listen into this and who knows they may be having some heightened anxieties and they're trying right. to numb it away or they just may not know how to cope with it so just mm-hmm. what's your perspective just on how to cope right now in this moment, and I know right. that may be a crazy question, but you know no,
1: like- it, it's not a crazy question, and that's part of, that's as a therapist that's kind of like part of not part of my vocabulary to say crazy oh sorry yeah that's, <laughs> that's that's a stigma situation right mm-hmm. there, so right right no. But that's that's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely not a crazy question. Um, just to kind of, I guess, maybe back up a little bit to kind of address all, all of that within one response. Um, I honestly feel that, and this has always been my thing to kind of find the positive in any negative situation. And I really feel like this pandemic and being quarantined has allowed people to slow down because we are constantly on the go and we really don't recognize how fast we're going, you know, because we're we're doing this, we're doing this, we, you know, we're parents, we're workers, we're you know, we're, we're socialites, and we got to figure out what we're going to do this weekend and traveling and all these different things. So with this pandemic happening and you have to stay at home and quarantine, you, there there's a lot of time to kind of be within yourself so there's a lot of reflection there's a lot of creativity as well um and because we were going through that transition that adjustment of i guess a new normal um that kind of highlighted a lot of different things and one of those things was the murder of george floyd Rihanna taylor um, Omar aubrey all of those things and i think mm-hmm. it came to a head you know, with George Floyd. And it was just like, everybody was just completely drained. We were tired, right? You know, it it wasn't, it was a sense of anger, but it was more so, you know, we're, we're tired in a sense, like all these things happening all at once, you know, we're we're having to change the way that we live, the change that we operate. And now this, so in, in that three month span from March or whenever the quarantine started, Everybody was in this transitional phase or what we call adjustment phase where your emotions are impacted, Mm -hmm. Um, whether that you become a little bit more depressed. I've definitely seen, you know, more clients being depressed and or anxious because it's a fear of the unknown. That's what anxiety is. It's a fear of the unknown. You don't know what's going to happen. So you you have automatic negative thoughts that kind of gear your emotions. And like I said previously, your thoughts, you know, your, your your feelings are controlled by your thoughts. So if you're having negative thoughts, you're only going to have negative emotional um, emotions attached to that, which means you're going to respond in a negative way, whether that's depression, anger, you know, frustration, whatever the case may be, lack of sleep, you know, changing appetite, things like that. Um, but to answer your question, for for men and I, now, I've spoke on this over the last three months for sure, but just the overall adjustment and understanding one, what you can and cannot control, you know, um, you can't control outside forces, can't control society, you know, w- whatever is going on, but you can control how the way that you respond to it. So uh, I'm, I'm really big. And this is just from a personal perspective, as well as a clinical perspective, um, finding a routine that works for you. You know, with being at home, some people are, you know, losing jobs or having to work from home and they're used to being out socializing and being out in the community eight to 10 hours a day. And now you're at home 24 hours a day. So there there's an adjustment with that. So finding that new normal and, and a routine that you can stick to, whether that's you waking up at seven o'clock like you normally would do going to work to be at eight, like still doing those things or are replacing that with something positive whether that's you know working out um going for a walk in the neighborhood um one thing that i that i definitely am a huge proponent of is getting that vitamin d like going outside you know and just feeling the sun and allowing yourself to to feel you know in the sun i'm a i'm a huge proponent of that because it reduces anxiety and depression just vitamin d overall mm-hmm. so sometimes just being outside Helps that um, walking, exercising, um, meditation um, for those that don't you know, necessarily subscribe to those particular things, making sure that you do something for yourself daily. That's positive for you, whether that's your favorite hobby or listening to your favorite type of music. Um, things simple as that or getting you some ice cream and just enjoying that that moment. And trying to be in the present um, and not focusing on what has been or what could possibly be but being more in the present um, that's also a a really good coping strategy Um, another thing that I do recommend is that we take this time to actually spend time with our families you know because we've been moving and shaking so long and we got used to that routine and now everything's kind of slowed down you know, take the time to actually check in with your family members, um, make phone calls. We, I, I see a lot of Zoom things. I, I, I'm loving the TikTok videos with the families, you know, dancing and doing those things and spending that quality family time together because we've lost track of that. And that's one of those positive things that I got out of a negative situation is my ability to reconnect with family members that I may have lost touch with um, because, you know, with the pandemic, people were dying. And still are down left and right. And you can't grieve properly because you can't say your final goodbyes. You can't do funerals and you can't go visit them at the hospital and things like that. So um, being in the present and taking time to check in with your children and reestablishing those healthy relationships um, helps you from a mental health perspective. So it's a lot of things. Definitely. I'm, I'm always a proponent of going to therapy
0: hmm.
1: You know, just just to deal with the adjustment. And for the longest time, a lot of people thought that if you went to therapy, that you were crazy or something was wrong with you. Wow. And for me, I, I look at therapy as personal growth.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: we're the only constant thing in life is change and we're constantly changing. So as we progress through life, there are certain situations and th- certain things that we deal with that we've never encountered before and we may need a unbiased and non-judgmental perspective to kind of give us clarity on this one perspective or multiple perspectives, because there are many ways to look at one situation. And sometimes, based on our experiences and what we've um, dealt with in the past, we automatically bring those to the forefront. Well, I experienced it this way previously; it's going to happen like this again. Instead of looking at that situation as one isolated situation so i'm always a huge proponent of going to therapy just from a progressive standpoint and you know becoming a better person overall um so that's that's always my go-to but if you can't get to a therapist or you're not ready for therapy because a lot of people are not ready to be as vulnerable um and transparent in their emotions and so until you get to that particular point you know do the things that you can control You know, um, working out is is big for men. You know, if you can't get to a gym, do your push ups, do your sit ups, you know, things like that on a regular basis. Um, Eating healthy, you know, this whole pandemic, you know, I've seen people, you know, gain a few pounds and, you know, Mm -hmm. because you're at home all day, you're eating snacks and, you know, and and your red Kool Aids, which I'm not knocking because I do, you know, (laughs) every now and then, you know, um, but. But those things are really important to your mental health. You know, it's mind, body and soul. So being able to reconnect with yourself from a soul standpoint, from a holistic standpoint, but also, you know, watching what you eat, you know, what watching what you digest, both from a physical standpoint and from a mental standpoint, because things like social media, you know, if you're scrolling all day, every day and you're looking at videos of George Floyd and all these different things. That that can impact you negatively, you know, that's what you're digesting, and that's what you're going to feel. That transference of that energy um, from those videos, the sadness, the the hurt, the anger, all of those things can impact you overall from, from a long-term perspective. So um, just, you know, I, I know I said a lot, you know, but no. but but definitely, you know, watching what you eat, making sure we're you know, eating healthier because especially black men, like we're we're, we're the highest up there. We have the, the shortest life expectancy. So right. we, we need to change the way that we eat, change the way that we live and because all those things are connected, if we're eating right and we're living right and we're having a healthy life, you know, I'm not saying being a total vegan or whatever the case may be, but mm-hmm. um, to, just changing the way that we eat and being more conscious of the things that we take in from a from a food standpoint, from a mental standpoint, and even in relationships and things like that, removing toxic situations out of your life will improve your mental health. So I guess that, I hope that answers your question.
0: Oh, definitely. And you brought up a lot of good points. I mean, a ton of them. But do you think, I know like me personally, for example, I can't watch the video. Like I just, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I don't, I'm angry, but I, I just won't watch like, I didn't watch the full thing. Like, I cannot watch someone's death regardless, you know? Right. And I feel like I still have the same, I still have the same level of pain regarding it. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just, I just have a strange feeling about viewing that because I don't feel like it's right to view. I'm not knocking anyone that watch it. I'm just saying for me personally, I can't. Right. But I know I have been kind of numb to the whole situation, like, at first, like, when they started, you know, doing all the protests and things of that nature. I mean, because I've, I mean like I said this is racism is something that we know 365 days a year right. um, but recently some of my friends started and social media like I said is the devil sometimes <laughs> it's like <laughs> I had to like, really purge myself from Facebook when the pandemic right. got crazy because I was right. getting so annoyed with certain people's posts and I feel like Once the protest started, I remember inboxing one of my friends, I said, it's starting again. I said, now we got the people that's just flooding social media with things that are not, that doing more hurt than helping. And some of my friends, which this was something I felt was therapeutic to a a, a degree, started sharing some stories of past racial incidents that they had been through. Mm -hmm. And... I even shared one, but then I started reading some more of my friends' posts. Now, mind you, these are my close friends, but the posts were heartbreaking. Right. <laughs> and I felt like, okay, my PTSD is starting to get triggered because like, yeah. I'm reading it and I'm like, whoa. Like, I, yesterday, I literally had to have a moment because I'm like, okay, this has triggered my PTSD and anxiety because I'm reading these stories and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I can't really deal with this too much today. <laughs> Do you think in general... Just right now, just like, for example, like me and my friends, like we started recalling incidents. One of my friends recalled an incident when she was called the N-word by her neighbor when she was eight years old. Mind you, we're all in our 40s. Do you feel like things that are taking place now, and even with the pandemic, I'm glad you mentioned the pandemic because we're all coping with that, you know, and now this has happened. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like a lot of us may just maybe possibly suffering from a level of PTSD, like all of us in a sense, I kind of felt like when everyone was recalling these stories, things that happened decades ago, that it was a form of PTSD. Do you think that a lot of us may possibly be coping? I mean, dealing with PTSD, you know, cause a lot of us are recalling bad stories and, you know, yeah. it's triggering our anxiety. And as you mentioned, it can trigger depression, you know, the, the pandemic alone, I feel cause just anxiety and depression not with everyone but you know because it was hard to cope with you know right. it still is but do you feel like just right now especially with all the racial tension that a lot of Af- african-americans may possibly just be suffering from ptsd in general like when we just recall things that we experienced negatively you know in the past
1: yeah i mean i i i definitely agree with that i, I definitely feel like um a lot of people have been living with PTSD and there are different levels of PTSD. Um, mm-hmm. but just the re-triggering of thoughts and the, the emotional, um, irregulation that comes along with that when you're triggered by something or if you watch something that's, you know, related to, you know, slaves being beaten or watching the Rodney King beating, you know, all these things, lynchings, you know, that, that exposure is what we call secondary trauma. You may not have you know physically encountered it directly, but the point of seeing it over and over is traumatizing um, because you're you're kind of putting yourself in that situation because it's it's happening to someone that looks like you and it's directed to a, a specific population. So the way that we maneuver you know, throughout our lives, you know, it, it it's very related to PTSD. Um, and some people get treated for it. And like I said, we, we're we the most, uh, our culture is based around, you know, a lot of substance use and a lot of abuse overall, just from generational um, trauma that's been passed down, you know, from generation to generation. And We we pick up certain things, you know, as far as us being abused, us being beaten, you know, by our parents because their parents beat them and so on and so forth. And if you Mm -hmm. trace it all the way back, you know, that that comes from, you know, the slave time in slavery. Yes, I I say
0: that all the time. That's exactly where it stems from.
1: So so just just that alone and just understanding where we come from in our, um, I guess, our migration here. If you want to call it, um, all those things are traumatic for us. And when it's not discussed and it's not openly expressed and we, you know, we kind of consume those emotions and we keep it on the inside, it, it, it's going to come out. That's the thing with negative emotions. It's not built for us to keep it inside. And that's why we have these responses that we have. Not everyone is going to have, you know, panic. No, not everyone's going to have a panic attack or anxiety attack it may be more so of lashing out becoming defiant um being combative like going against authority you know all of those different things are a representation are some of the subsets within ptsd so i i definitely totally agree that a lot of us do have ptsd and just being able to talk about it now and being able To have it on the forefront as mental health is continuing to progress, you know, for whatever reason, whether that's because celebrities are behind and they're more open about it. And because we live in a society where we kind of follow trends, you know, I'm glad that it's a a trendy thing right now. Um, Actually, uh, Dr. Kendall Jasper, he was on my show and he said mental health right now is sexy. You know, (laughs) sexy in a sense that it's, you know, it's being consumed and people are starting to understand and people are starting to relate to it because, you know, you have celebrities talking about it and it's on television and it's trying to become normalized in a sense, which is a great thing. And at the same time, because it is being normalized, people say, well, well, I I have something, but, you know, I'm still not going to necessarily get the treatment for it. I'm just going to recognize that I do have something or something that's off a little bit, but I'm not going to get the treatment that that's needed because of because of that stigma. The stigma is still there, although the resources are available. Um, I, I wish that they were more readily available, especially in lower socioeconomic, you know, uh, populations. Uh, we, black culture, African American type of communities, we're we're the ones that kind of need it the most, and we're the less um, resourceful in those particular areas. And a lot of people feel like, you know, there are a lot of barriers in regards to access and treatment, whether that's from the financial aspect of it or the distance or things like that. There are a lot of different barriers outside of just stigma. That's a contributing factor, but there are other factors that kind of impact, you know, us from getting the necessary treatment that we um, that we need. You know, so um, one of the things that I've decided to do, especially with my platform, is to raise awareness, you know, by reducing the stigma and, you know, saying that mental everybody has mental health issues. And, you know, it's whether it's mild or severe, we we all get depressed at some point in time. We all get anxious. But again, it's how we, you know, deal with it. And, you know, making the couch, um, I wanted to kind of help continue to normalize it a little bit, but also make it a cool and relaxing environment. You know, I, I call myself, like one of my monikers is not your average therapist because I don't look like your typical therapist. I'm not going to wear mm-hmm. a button up and slacks and all those things and have on glasses and have my, my legs crossed and taking notes. <laughs> you know, um, I, I have two full tattoo sleeves and, you know, I, I look like a guy from around the way that's on the block. But, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of my clients are able to identify with that, which means they're more comfortable. And when you're more right. comfortable, you're, you're a little bit more accessible emotionally and, and able to kind of express yourself um, without the fear of judgment or the fear that I won't understand, you know, because I, I've definitely been there, you know, grew up in, you know, a rough neighborhood and, you know, seeing, mm-hmm. seeing things as well. So, all of those things contribute to that, you know, and, and I my my hope and wish is for for us to kind of say, okay, like I'm okay, but but it's mm. okay not to be okay. You know, when when you're not okay, be able to express that and and be okay with that and be able to stand firm in that.
0: I think there's several layers to why, you know, our community really doesn't embrace therapy the way that they should, I think number one, and I had like a past guest, and like I said, we talk about mental health so much on my show. Like, I just feel like it's important to have that conversation. So um, one of my past guests, we were just talking about mental health and we mentioned just the whole label of crazy, how it's so negative. And where did that even stem from in the first place? You know, mm-hmm. if someone's having issues or if someone's dealing with depression or if someone has episodes of anything the first label that people go to is crazy Mm -hmm. and it's really Mm -hmm. ridiculous Mm -hmm. another thing that you mentioned i think which is another reason we tend to stray away from it when i say we i just mean you know just our race as a whole doesn't mean everyone you know that's listening but just how you mentioned how you're relatable like if you know someone were to go to you they'll see that you look like you're from around the way. But I think just like you mentioned, I think in our minds some of us think that the therapist is like, you know, this white person sitting there, you know, with the glasses on and the cardigan sweater, you know, right. the cat on the the sofa right. judging and who cannot relate to anything, you know, that we have experienced. So I think that's another thing that kind of makes people fearful. I think one of the third thing is I think, and if someone disagrees with me, you can easily inbox me, email me, whatever. I think with African-Americans, we're so quick to shield our business, air quotes. I'm not telling everybody my business, right. you know, like we, right. which when, when, when in actuality, therapy is the most private thing ever. But yeah. I just think that we also have been conditioned that sharing anything Mm-hmm. It's telling people your business. Mm-hmm. And God forbid, you know, we share anything about our childhood. Our parents really <laughs> instill that in us that what goes on in the household is our business. Exactly. And we don't share it with anyone. So I think that's another thing. And I think sometimes, when we've also experienced some trauma that may be related to some family members. We mm-hmm. kind of feel like we're betraying them mm-hmm. by even discussing things that have happened. So I think there's a lot of layers. And I think the greatest thing would be You know, for us to wash away that stigma, because a lot of us really are hurting and we really do need professional help. And it doesn't make you a weak person, doesn't make you, quote unquote, crazy. It just means that you're seeking solace and you're trying to be whole. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, but I think when we fully get to that stage, I think, you know, would obviously make us all better. One thing, you know, as I mentioned um, on your IG profile, you have this awesome video where you were discussing what is the Black man's value because like I said, I, I'm dedicating everything mm-hmm. to the Black males. I definitely just had to talk about Just I had to go off topic slightly yeah. just now to just talk about just the stigma with us as a whole with therapy. But just going back to Black men, obviously, because I'm dedicating them to them. I know you, and I, I felt like the video was very poignant and just very transparent. Just what is the Black man's value? If you could just go into what you discussed, you know, for anyone that is listening. Because like I said, this is a time right now where I feel like everyone just needs to feel like, like you said, it's okay to not be okay. And right. also to know that you are valued, you are important, mm-hmm. you know, that you matter. So if you can just go into some of the points that you mentioned on the video for anyone that's listening.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's, it's funny because I did that video right after the morning after George Floyd was murdered and, Mm -hmm. you know, I I learned of it. No, I don't scroll on social media a whole lot. I I normally just check my notifications and, and I'm off, you know, or I post something and I'm off. And when I learned of it and read about it, you know, it it definitely hit me um, to where I was definitely emotional. I was tired. You know, I was angry, you know, I was hurt, you know, um, and it, it came from a personal perspective because the week prior I had lost, you know, a family member. Um, she was murdered, you know, her, mm. murdered her and two of her kids. Um, oh, my God. Shot another one. And one of them got away. Um, So I was still Mm. struggling with that, that grief. And then when this happened, Mm. it kind of definitely took me over the edge. And I'm not one to do videos in a sense. I mean, I have a platform, but just personal videos. I don't do much of that on social media. So for me, it was definitely a transparent moment and a vulnerable moment. And then that that vulnerability and just being transparent, you know, I, I discussed, you know, and my question was, what is a black man's value, you know, in society? And, you know, throughout the years and throughout history, you know, we we built this, you know, black people. We've, you know, built this country the way it is, you know, today. So we're the most valuable. But at, in the same token, we're the most hated. We're the most invaluable. You can take our life and it's nothing. You can put us away in cages and in jail, mm-hmm. like it's nothing, and and we hold the the most percentage as far as percentage wise of a race that's incarcerated, you know. And it's taking the value away from us. And the only reason why that value is being taken because we are valuable. We are kings. We are we more than matter. We're 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 essential. We've always been essential mm-hmm. workers. You know, it's not just a quarantine thing. We're we're essential to the development and the the success of our society, whether that's from an academic perspective, from a, a blue collar worker to, you know, athletics, we we, we not only provide entertainment, we're, you know, the, the foundation in which this, you know, country has been built, has been built on our backs and, you know, our black queens as well. Um, so my my reflection was just, to the masks, it, it wasn't just for black people, but you know, it, it was for everyone to kind of understand what their, their value is and take ownership of that value and not to allow another person's perspective to determine your value. You determine how valuable you are. And, you know, it, it was just one of those things where it, it wasn't scripted. It, it came mm-hmm. straight, straight from the heart and, and I didn't look at it. I haven't looked at it since, so for me to kind of recite or recall what I actually said um, is very difficult because I I haven't looked back at it since. You know, I, uh-huh, I, I really uh-huh. you know replied to a comment or something like that, but I haven't looked back and to see exactly what I said because I just wanted to be authentic, raw, and, and straight from the heart. But I but I know what 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 my focus was and what I was trying to convey. In that, and and understanding that you know we we are who we are, and the only reason why that we're attacked the way that we are, if if we wasn't valuable, we wouldn't be a second thought. You know, we wouldn't be Hmm. being killed the way we are, or we wouldn't be being marginalized the way that we are if we wasn't valuable. Because other people see the value, they just don't want to say that we're valuable because it'll make them feel less than or invaluable. So. That that was kind of like my whole point, my whole sentiment um, on that post. And, and it's still there. Um, so if you want to check it out, you can definitely check it out.
0: So I want to, before we wrap everything up, mm-hmm. and like I said, this has just been an excellent conversation. I pray that, you know, males in particular that tune in will listen to this and they'll pick up some nuggets. Like you said, several things that I just feel were so valuable and things that people really need to hear so you know my hope is that some men that do tune in and listen like they listen and they pick up you know hey if they're experiencing some things and i feel like we all walk around with trauma unfortunately mm-hmm. but if they're using numbing mechanism because a lot of us do it you know if they're using it as a coping mechanism numbing things whether it's alcohol or drugs or anger or sex or whatever it mm-hmm. may be I hope that they do listen to this and realize, hey, maybe I should speak to a professional, and on top of that, there is nothing wrong to speak to a professional, because I think that is just the main thing, you know, just having that, that shame, I guess, or just yeah. feeling like, oh, I need help, or just thinking it's a sign of weakness. It's definitely not. It's actually a sign of strength mm-hmm. when anyone acknowledges something that they, you know, need some help or assistance <laughs> with and they want to fix it. You know, that's always a good thing. So, like I said, I definitely just wanted to just have some clear conversations with my brothers this month, you know, because we definitely appreciate you guys, and we just, I just wanted to definitely, you know, on behalf of myself and all my listeners, just let Black men know that you are essential, you are valuable, you are our kings, and we definitely need our kings, you know, so I just wanted to give you guys that floor. Before we wrap it up, though, um, I would like you to just for anyone that's listening, you know, what did you want, what would you like to say to any male that's gonna be listening, you know, just to give them some positive words, right. just to speak some life into any males that's listening? Cause obviously this is a very fragile time, but what would you like to close out this episode with for any male that's listening, just to speak some positivity into them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um for for my guys, for my dudes again like we said before it's okay not to be okay and it doesn't make you less of a man to you know seek help to say that you know that that you're down you're depressed or you're you're anxious or you're fearful you know for your life um so many times we've you know identified strength as being able to to endure things and, and go through life just enduring. And when you do that, you know, you're not living to the best of your ability and your potential because you're just enduring. You're just getting through. Um, and one of my biggest things that I say all the time is that we have to be the change that we want to see in the world. And so for, for all the guys, you know, growing up, you know, we we definitely had OGS growing up. Well, you know, in, in my neighborhood, in my neck of the woods, and in, in my age range, I had people that actually told me, you know, if they saw something in me and they saw something in me that I don't need to be on the block, I don't need to be doing this. I need to focus on, you know, academics or you know, I was really good at football. So they 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 protected me in a sense to to not get involved in gangs or not to get involved in the drug game. We we have to be those leaders, you know, that that's going to usher in, you know, a a, a new generation. You know, a, a lot of the younger kids are, are lost, whether that's due to social media, lack of parenting, a, a lot of things, you know, that contribute to that. So definitely be the change that you want to see. And it's okay not to be okay. And when, when you do feel like you don't have the answers, you know, to resolve a particular situation internally as well as externally, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, you know what, there, there's someone out here that, spe- you know, specializes in these particular things to, to assist me. And that doesn't make you less of a man at all. It actually shows that you are a man and, and, and we all you know, come from a, a culture historically that you know it it was a it was a village that helped raise us as mm-hmm. children, and it still is a village as an adult. That 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 we contribute to each other's wholeness and our overall wellness. So again, make sure that you know we're you know doing the necessary things to continue to contribute. Make sure we get our health screenings. Make sure that we're you know healthy, first and foremost, from a physical standpoint, get your checkups. You know, if you're over 40, like I am, you know, get your necessary checkups, get those prostates and all those things checked, you know, so, so we can live, you know, more healthy lives and more prosperous lives and more fulfilling lives. Um, so, you know, I'm all about mind, body and soul. So make sure you you tap into each one of those dimensions on a regular basis to make sure that you're balanced. I'm a Libra, so I'm I'm big, on, <laughs> I'm big on being balanced. And when I'm out of whack, I know that I'm out of whack. So self-awareness self mm. is, is really important. And in order to know yourself, you got to be able to rid yourself of those things that's covering that, that's impacting that, the toxicity, you know, the trauma, the dysfunction, being able to remove yourself from that to see who you are and understand who you are not the dysfunction not the trauma not you know what what your family says you are what your friends said you are what society says you are understand who you are and be able to push towards that and that should be a daily that should be a daily goal you know to to get to more to who you are and you know yeah. just just being healthy and just being happy and being at peace you know, we're not at peace. And I think this pandemic and what we're dealing with right now has allowed us to focus on what's important. First is us, you know, then it's, you know, everyone else. Because if you're pouring from an empty cup, you know, you're only going to pour in negativity into someone else. So make sure that your cup is full. Make sure that you're emotionally and physically healthy in order in order to pour into someone else. And that's
0: that is excellent. Thank you so much for just enlightening us. Like I said, I just really hope that people that listen, and even the females too, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of things that, you know, our queens will pick up from this conversation. But before we do end things, please let everyone that listens, where can they find you, give everyone, you know, all your contact information, your IG information, so people can look you up once they listen to this episode. For
1: sure. Um, I can be reached at um, Damien, that's D A M. Eon underscore dash on Instagram. Also, you can follow me at the couch 704 on Instagram as well. Um, on Facebook, I'm the same. I'm D A M E O N without the underscore. So, Damien dash on Facebook and the couch 704 on Facebook as well. You can find me on Anchor. You can find me on YouTube. You can find me at um, DamienHarman.com. Uh, for speaking engagements, um, therapy, things of that sort um, as well, and all your favorite podcast platforms I'm around.
0: Thank you so much. So you guys heard him. So I want to thank him again. This is the creator and the host of the Couch 704, Mr. Damien Harmon, a.k.a. Damien Dash. And I just want everyone to please go follow him and look up his information and then definitely – You know, if you guys could just take away everything that he said. Mental health is 100% important. I cannot stress it enough. I say it in so many of my episodes. Mental health is important. And especially now, if anything, you know, during this whole pandemic and then during all, just seeing all this racial tension, if anything, I just hope every person that has listened to my show with all this time that we have to reflect that if anything you realize how valuable you truly are and I say this so much as everyone knows my big old platform is go love yourself self-love is the proponent to just conquer the world if you have that self-love you'll be more aware of what you pour into your body what you pour into your your mind you know and if you have that self-love you'll be more protective of just valuing yourself and just making sure that you also take care of yourself. And it's more than just physical. The mental is something that we have to look at more amongst our community so that we can be healed, healthy, whole, and strong. So as I mentioned, I'm dedicating this month to my Kings. I know I always say go queen, the privilege, the prize, and the package, but for my Kings, you guys do have the pride. You have the power. You have the prestige. We need our Kings. So I just want to dedicate this to you guys we do love you all and just please be safe and be strong so thank you again damien i really appreciate you for being on the show no
1: Problem. thank you for having me i definitely enjoyed myself